Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. Fever Dreams is no longer producing new episodes, so I wanted to share another political podcast from The Daily Beast. It's called The New Abnormal. Enjoy this episode and subscribe at thedailybeast.com slash podcast or on your favorite major podcast player. Folks, I am happy to welcome to The New Abnormal Will Summer, who is a reporter at The Daily Beast and host of the podcast Fever Dreams and author of Trust the Plan, The Rise of QAnon and the Conspiracy That Unhinged America. Will... It is like the right has no shortage of scandals right now. And what I think is the most vile of them all is what is happening around Ali Alexander, who was one of the masterminds, if I'm correct, behind the Stop the Steal rally, was one of the masterminds for Trump behind the big lie. And as part of the, I guess, QAnon cabal that they're all in, one of the big other big lies that they are pushing is that the left is filled with groomers and pedophiles. And that's why we need to stop wokeness and stop conversations about LGBTQ people and equity and all of these things. And as it turns out, Ali Alexander has a whole bunch of skeletons in his closet of the pedophile variety. Talk to me about this. Yeah, so Ali Alexander is one of these sort of ubiquitous MAGA internet and sort of hanging out at Trump events characters. He rolls with people like Roger Stone and Alex Jones, Jacob Wohl, uh, Laura Loomer, these kind of these these people who seem like just internet oddballs, but then they have these actual connections to the Trump campaign and Trump world. But but like you said, I mean, Ali is part of this movement that says, you know, any LGBT person is a, is a groomer or what have you. And yet, in my latest story out with the Daily Beast, I wrote about two people who were, were teenagers and two teenage boys who said that Ali had asked them, um, and in one case received from them, dick pics Mm-mm. and other sexual content. Um, and so, and Ali sort of issued a vague apology for this. So point being, he got caught up here. You know, he was in his 30s at this point. So he got caught up, uh, you know, asking for, you know, I hate to speak in legal terms, but I mean child porn. Right. Because here's the thing. I don't give a fuck how old. Alias, what I care about are the young boys who he was propositioning for child porn. There are also other stories that are circulating around him and his office. But one of the things before we get into that, that I find really troubling, because as a part of this entire right wing, hyper toxic masculinity, anti LGBTQ is This idea that by virtue of talking about LGBTQ people, by virtue of sending your kids to a drag show, that somehow they're going to be indoctrinated. And yet here is this person and and Nick Fuentes, who is a name that this audience knows, who dined with Donald Trump and Kanye West, who is a known white supremacist, apparently knew about 
Ale- Alexander and his pedophilia, but was covering it up. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting situation because these rumors about Ali were around for years and years, you know, how he was towards some of these were legally adults and, and, you know, in at least one case, a teenager who was very clear to Ali that he was 15 years old. And so these rumors had been around for a while. I certainly knew about them for a while and had been trying to report it out. But certainly these far right or alt right leaders like Nick Fuentes, they knew as well. And so in Fuentes's case, I mean, he's got this this white supremacist movement called America First that sort of specifically says, you know, we are a bunch of teenagers and young men. And so he was palling around with Ali. These text messages have come out where Milo Yiannopoulos, who is, of course, a similar character, you know, in this whole Mm -hmm. universe, where he was saying, you know, hey, Nick, heads up, Ali's a creep and he's preying on teenage boys as, you know, a year ago or more. And then Nick Fuentes keeps, you know, hanging out with this guy, working with him on the Kanye West campaign. This is becoming kind of a larger issue for for Nick Fuentes, for people like Roger Stone, who has come out and said, well, I didn't know about any of this. You know, there's a lot of people implicated in this. So here's the thing. In your piece, you, you get to the part where I guess issues some type of apology where he says that yes. he was, quote, battling with same-sex attraction. Well, he started out by saying, quote, this is too gay. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Neither do I. Yeah, and then moves into the, quote, battling with same-sex attraction. But here's the thing that I want people to understand, and I know people who listen to The New Abnormal are very, very wise. There is a very big difference between being a fucking pedophile and being queer. And here he says... I'm battling with same-sex attraction. No, you are going after young boys, underage boys, influential, like, boys who don't necessarily know any better by a grown man coming at them in this type of way. And so what do you make of this half-assed apology that he issues? And how is it going to land within this kind of this toxic masculine anti-gay but i guess pro-pedophilia space well it's very very weird i mean the thing that's really stress here i mean these messages are like sort of classic groomer stuff he's saying okay you know i can you know depending on what you do for me maybe i'll connect you with these famous people on the right the number one rule is secrecy and like you and i are like we're a family don't talk about Mm -mm. me you know, this kind of stuff. I mean, it is really, really creepy stuff. And so it's a very weird situation because, you know, Ali was allied with this America First movement, which, you know, Ali is black and Arab and they are avowedly white supremacist and, and he's very openly gay or he said bisexual and they are very homophobic. And yet I think this was sort of an alliance of convenience. And then the the two guys who have come out and said that they were when they were teens, that they were uh, victimized in this way. They are either members of America First or sort of in one case sort of affiliated with it rather than disavowing Ali, Nick Fuentes has doubled down and said, you know, well, maybe these teenagers shouldn't have been flirting with him. A lot of Nick Fuentes' allies have really gone on the attack against these victims. It is very bizarre to see this obviously reprehensible group of people in many ways, but say, you know, the one thing we are somewhat cool with is this guy soliciting, you know, according to his victim, soliciting child porn. I just want to go on with what he has said here. Yeah, it's <laughs> very weird. In your piece. Quote, I apologize for any inappropriate message sent over the years so first off will we're he's acknowledging here like i don't know which offenses you're talking about because there have been so many so i'm just gonna give you a blanket of quote over the years Mm -hmm. then he goes on to say when i have flirted 
or others have flirted with me, I flexed my credentials or dropped corny pickup lines. Other times I've been careless and should have qualified those coming up to me's identities during flirtatious banter at the start. Why does this read as if, oh, he was on some app with somebody who was of age and like, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught up. In nowhere does he acknowledge that these are underage boys. And by the way, I just want folks to re- like recognize that in Florida, Rod DeSantis is passing legislation to make this type of supposed abuse against children, you can receive the death penalty for it. This is how adamant the Republican Party is about protecting children. How do they rationalize this? I mean, it really is. And, and, you know, you're making this point here. This was clearly sort of a systemic effort on his part. I mean, this was not like one person he messaged and then said, oh, geez, I didn't realize you were that young. I mean, at one point, one of these guys says, you know, I'm 15. I'm a sophomore in high school. And then Ali says, yeah, why aren't you sending me any jack off material? I mean, it's like really vile stuff. In his case, he's kind of attempted to say, oh, I'm leaving public life for a while, all this stuff. But he had specific things. He'd say, come down and visit me and, uh, you know, lie to your parents. Tell them you're going to a swim meet. I mean, really, really twisted. And and just to underline, I mean, this is not some random guy who was just tweeting Mm -hmm. with a MAGA hashtag. And this is a guy, Donald Trump wanted him to speak at the January 6th rally on the ellipse. And it was only prevented by Katrina Pearson, a Trump aide, who basically said, this guy's too weird. We can't have him associated with us. And then he actually, Ali organized the rally outside of Congress on January 6th that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But can conveniently ended up drawing a lot of people to be right around Congress. And then that's when the riot started. This has been known in conservative circles. You write at least since 2015. This is before or right around the time that Donald Trump is running for president. How does a pedophile like this get access and is rubbing shoulders with some of the most powerful politicians in the Republican Party? I mean, it is very strange the way that so many people on the right appear to have sort of brushed it off and sort of said, well, you know, Ali's value to the Trump movement or to the the right is too significant. But this is a guy who he sort of rose to some sort of notoriety around 2008. He was a big blog guy. He tried to organize bloggers on the right. There were a lot of questions about his fundraising. I mean, he's a convicted felon related to, uh, I believe he broke into a car and stole someone's credit card in 2006 or 2007. I mean, it's very kind of shadowy background, but he was very well connected on the right. And I think a lot of these fringe figures saw him as someone who could bring them into a more mainstream Republican audience. I mean, this is a guy, he had connections to Jack Dorsey, the former head of Twitter. I mean, Jack Dorsey would consult him on how to handle conservatives on the app. I mean, he was he was a guy who had a lot of connections. Obviously, he worked for the Kanye West sort of fake presidential campaign for a while. And that's ultimately what sort of led to his downfall because Milo, who had all of these, as you would say, receipts, I guess, on, on Ali, <laughs> Ali basically pushed him out of the campaign. And then Milo said, well, you know, F you, you know, here's all here's all these victims so it's a very a guy who's really well connected and, and I, I think a lot of people turned a blind eye to his behavior and the point being that these political connections then allowed him to say well if you maybe send me some pictures i might like maybe i'll connect you with these people so he was really exploiting people according to these messages based on that you have down in your piece aiden duncan who was a uh, 15 at the time in colorado and you say interested in right-wing politics sent Alexander nude pictures after he was asked for them. And he said this in a podcast interview. I guess my question is, how does somebody that is convicted of a felony, and I know know that I'm going to regret asking this, what is his background that makes him so valuable 
to this right wing anti-gay but clearly pro-pedophilia party that he was able to continue until like his rival wanted to bring him down. Yeah, I mean, I think this is just sort of a story we see over and over, especially in the Trump movement. I mean, this is a guy who really had no credibility besides just his, he was willing to be really shameless and I, mm. I think do whatever it took on behalf of his to sort of advance himself and advance the MAGA movement. And so this was sort of a, a useful character to have in your back pocket, you know, in the same way that Roger Stone is like a guy who is in many ways, a ridiculous character, but can also sort of throw up a lot of garbage or, um, you know, he's the guy who's going to sign the permit on the rally or something like that. Uh, and then, you know, the, he, he was a useful guy. I mean, you know, I forgot to mention, I mean, he was invited to the white house when Trump was in office for the, the Trump social media summit. So he was sort of recognized as one of the, like the heroes of the Trump internet. And of course, meanwhile, what else was he doing on the internet? Well, now we've come to learn. Your article just reads like (laughs) page six, you know, like it just reads like something that you would be like, oh no, this couldn't possibly have like really happened, right? Like this known pedophile in circles that are referring to their political opponents who are anything but groomers and pedophiles, and yet it seems like the entirety of the Republican Party right now is filled with nothing but groomers and pedophiles. So whether you have Matt Gates, who is trafficking 17-year-old girls across lines, and yes, he wasn't convicted, but it did happen. Whether it's Roy Moore up in Alabama that, again, was just hanging out in front of high schools, and now this dirtbag, it's like... I don't understand it. Like, what do you make of it? Is it just the willingness, like you said, to just do the unthinkable? Just the willingness to just, you have no morals, you have no shame, you have no conviction whatsoever. And that's the attractiveness? Yeah, I mean, the irony or the hypocrisy, whatever you want to call it, I mean, is so, I mean, it's really on the nose. I mean, I feel like so many things over the past few years, like you you couldn't write it in a TV show. It's too obvious. But in this case, I mean, this guy, you know, uh, he's claimed vaguely that some messages are fake. But when I said, well, which ones are fake, he didn't get back to me. So I think we can take the messages as pretty credible. And I think if that's the case, I mean, he's pretty much dead to rights. I mean, he's seen a lot of his allies bailing on him. I mean, it it's just really bizarre to see someone who I, I think was, from what we can tell, was praying so openly on young men and boys, you know, have be able to be successful for so long. Do we think, Will, that aside from the scandal version of this and aside from the fact that it literally makes my stomach turn, is there going to be any prosecution here? Is there, aside from just it being reprehensible, something that not even, you know, would make it into an episode of Shonda Rhimes' latest political drama, is there going to be a legal side to what we are learning and what you've uncovered? I think there could be. The 15-year-old has said that he is filing a police report. Um, my understanding is it has been filed uh, in Colorado where, where he lives. It's been a couple years, so I'm not sure how viable that prosecution is. But my sense is that potentially there could be. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is written down. I think it's pretty clear. And obviously, Ali was interviewed by the January 6th committee. I think it's reasonable to think there was already some FBI interest in interviewing him related to the riot. Who's to say? But I do think a lot of what's described in my article, I think it's pretty reasonable to think think, you know, in general terms could be a crime. Here's the thing is that my assumption would be right. People have been (laughs) arrested for having child pornography on their computers. I'm like, whether or not any of his victims were to file charges, 
I mean, I, I think that this is an, an investigation for where he lives of let me confiscate. We th- believe that you have pedophilia material like on your person, in your home, on your laptop. And this could be something that would turn into a legal case. So I hope that you continue to follow this, even though God bless you for doing so. Thank you. <laughs> because it can't be easy. Well, I mean, really, so many people involved in it, even the people who, you know, it, it's just sort of that, that entire world is, um, it's a lot of uh, sort of reprehensible characters on, on all sides. I have a high tolerance for it, so I'm happy to wade in. <laughs> the article that Will wrote is entitled, Stop the Steel Organizer Apologizes After Being Accused of Asking Teen Boys for Dick Pics. It is up now and live at The Daily Beast. Will, thank you so much for making the time to join us on The New Abnormal. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We had such an incredible time making this podcast and want to thank you for joining us each week as we explored the shifting landscape of the fringe right. To continue following the impact ultra-conservatives have on the country, please tune in to The New Abnormal, where our colleagues Danielle Moody and Andy Levy talk to some of the biggest names in politics every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Listen at thedailybeast.com slash podcasts or your favorite major podcast player. And thanks again for joining us on Fever Dreams.